we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and I'm here with Albert Morales, and we are the House of Indie. We've got somebody on the line, uh, Albert, and uh, you have a good friend of yours uh, joining us today. And uh, you you kind of threw this one on me. I was like, all right, let's 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 record. So you know a little bit more about this gentleman than I do. So <laughs> I'm gonna let you kind of take the reins on this one a little bit. But and I'll jump in all every right. once in a while. But let let everybody know who we have on the line. We've got the titan of all trades. Uh, we've got Thomas Healy. He is a uh, he's a masterful concoctionist of cosmos uh, and uh, <laughs> hell of a cook and uh, and and just a, an all around jack of all trades, man. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. That is the weirdest intro that I've ever gotten. <laughs> but uh, hey, but thank you. Can you tell me it's not true though? I mean, you, you make you're you're a connoisseur of drinks. You uh, you like uh, you like to cook. Uh, I do like to cook. I do like to I do like to drink. I can't say that I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of cosmopolitans though. But uh, I do enjoy I do enjoy a good martini. Uh, like we were chatting beforehand, I just made a, a nice Negroni. Uh, if anybody saw the social media explosion of Stanley Tucci today, went viral. Wow. So he posted a video on how to make uh, a Negroni today. So, oh, not nice. Stanley Tucci. I'll be enjoying a nice, uh, a nice drop of Negroni tonight. Nice. I'm gonna have to check that out. He's a hell of an actor. I like that guy. <laughs> he makes a hell of a cocktail, apparently too. Yeah, <laughs> but it is. Uh, it is great. To, it is great to be on the House of Any podcast, guys. Thank you very, very much for having me on. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for being on. Welcome, welcome. Um, Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and chop it up here, man. Um, I've known Thomas for some years now, guys, and and to be really honest with you, he really does a lot. Uh, current his current position is one that uh, I would say a lot of people would have uh, a lot of envy for, and and just uh, are just like awe inspired. Thomas, what's what's your current position, man? Oh wow! Uh, right now, I'm sitting down. <laughs> so it is fairly comfortable. No, but, but for, for real, uh, I am I am currently uh, I work for Todd McFarlane Productions. I am the uh, basically the, the the guy in charge of making sure that Spawn comes out every week. Uh, excuse me, every month. So yeah, nice. I'm the publishing coordinator for Spawn Comics and any special projects uh, that Todd McFarlane Productions runs. Uh, if you've watched any comic book news in the last uh, two two weeks. I was uh, part of the team that put together the uh, the Spawn uh, action figure Kickstarter. Nice. The very first Kickstarter that Todd McFarlane ran, and uh, I was part of that team that got that out to the public, and uh, it broke a million dollars in under 24 wow. hours, and I think we're on course to hit $2 million, uh before the end of the campaign. So wow. very excited. Wow. That's yeah, I'm excited to be part of that team. That's quite an accomplishment, man. Yeah, when I saw that, me and uh, me and Albert were actually uh, when we first saw Todd uh, at the toy fair talking about all that stuff. Me and Albert were like texting back and forth, like two giddy little schoolgirls. We're like, "Oh man, this is dope! Oh, this is sick!" It's like the old school stuff, man. This is awesome. So that's that's pretty amazing, man. You guys, that's that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it, it's uh, it was you know the the goal was a hundred thousand dollars, which 
you know, I, let's be honest, anything involving Todd McFarlane is going to do more than $100,000. <laughs> we all knew that that was a low goal. Yeah. Um, but we were not sure because, you know, uh, Todd McFarlane Toys uh, has been around since 94, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knows how to put out a good toy. Uh, yeah. He, he yeah. kind of changed the, the industry, uh, you know, bigger scale, more articulation, uh, better sculpts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew he knew how to put out a toy, but it was like, well, well, but can he kickstart one? And what his goal was with this, this masterworks program was really to put, you know, you could do a mass market toy that's going to go in every Walmart, every target, mm-hmm. you know, around the country. But what if we, we wanted to do more? So what if we put a little bit more effort into a kickstart? It gets it into the hands directly of the people that want it, the really hardcore Spawn fans. Because yeah. you know, no offense, no offense to Spawn, that's that's my livelihood, that's my paycheck. But even Todd realizes him going to Walmart and saying, "I want to put Spawn toys on the shelf." Yeah. Right now in today's climate, that's not going to work. It's hard. You yeah. Know, Spawn <laughs> got released. The only reason Spawn hit the shelves recently was because he was part of Mortal Kombat, which is a huge franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if he was just like, hey, I'm going to put Spawn and Overkill and Violator and Clown, Walmart's going to be like, what, is, what does that matter? <laughs> you know, we've got DC toys to put out. We've got Batman toys to sell. we got mm-hmm. all these other properties. So this was the way of going, you know, we're going to give you these super high quality action figures with all the articulation and the specials and the heads and the weapons that you want. We're going to sell it direct to you guys because otherwise you're not going to have an opportunity to get it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it. This is the first of hopefully very, uh, very many to come. Yeah. So with the so with the being that you said that you had mentioned, uh, you know, Walmart's got the Batman and, the, and all the other guys there. Todd also puts out those the uh, the his variations of the Batman Superman DC line. Um, well, yes, exactly. Do so, you get through? So do you get that's to play why he knows what better? Uh, no, I don't, no. That's you know that's uh, that's directly the. Yeah, that's directly the toys. That's directly McFarlane toys. Right. Um, so I, I work with all those people. I get to see all the cool prototypes. I get to see all the stuff that's hand painted and, and, the, and all the prototypes that come in from China. Uh, and there's some incredibly talented, uh, digital artists and sculptors that work on all of those toys. And it's, it's really great to see, but typically I don't have a lot involved with toys. Uh, the reason that I got involved in this particular project was, uh, he wanted to do it under Todd McFarlane Productions, not McFarlane Toys, um, because one, we're also reissuing the original comic book that came out with it. Nice. Uh, so the original McFarlane line of toys, all they, there were seven comics that came right. out, one with mm-hmm. each toy. So mm-hmm. he's he's redoing the cover on that. We're gonna we're gonna do so. So I was involved in the comic thing, and then I also happened to have spent a an, a large amount of money on Kickstarters in the last several years. So I was kind of familiar with the process. So mm-hmm. I just kind of got drafted. Uh, to work alongside with a lot of the toy guys uh, to kind of get the Kickstarter just up and running and what should we do here, what should we do there kind of thing. Uh, so it was, a, it was a real kind of a real interesting thing to do. It was a little different than my, my regular work, which is I kind of joke around with people that I just kind of herd cats for a living because it's just, <laughs> where, where's my colorist? What is what page is he working on? Yeah. Did the inker get it done? Where, <laughs> where's the cover? And that's, that is my typical monthly job is making sure that by the end of that month, do I have enough? to put out a comic book. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. And then, and then we put it together and I reread oh. the same issue about a dozen, maybe two dozen times checking for spelling errors and grammar <laughs> and making sure all the speech bubbles line up. And yeah. so, yeah, so by the time the actual issue hits the stands, I probably read that book 20 or 30 times. Wow. Wow. 
How how uh, as as like an editor position kind of like it? How is that wrangling all those cats, man? I, I've had to play with it when with the um, an editor's position and when I was running the newspaper, the big time funny stuff. And I know yeah. on my end, dealing with all the artists, making sure they're on deadline or, or bringing that stuff in. Like I've had to make those hounding phone calls of like, you know, hey, what's going on? Where where's the stuff at? How is it on your end for that stuff? Um, you, you, you're hitting the nail right on the head. It's sometimes you have to make those hounding phone calls, but you know what? I, I've worked enough. I've known you and I have been friends for gosh, probably 15, maybe more years back from the yeah. old atomic comic days when I was the, the manager with uh, another local artist, Jeff Pena, uh, over mm-hmm. at the old atomic comics paradise Valley shop, which is where I think we, we actually met the first time. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I kind of know. Artists can be, and you can vouch for this, a, a temperamental bunch. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've yeah. seen I've okay. seen pages turned in where there's one note to like, hey, can we can we just change this this slight thing, this one little thing, and the artist will go, yeah, fine, and he'll just he'll scrap the entire page oh. and put in another twelve to fifteen hours work because he just wasn't happy with it. Um, so it's kind of having to do the whole. Hand holding, it's like, you know what, dude, you wouldn't be working on this book. This was yeah. a record setting book. This was, this is consistently in the top 20 sales books for, for comics, and it's yeah. not in one of the top two companies. Um, yeah. but it's a little hand holding. Uh, it's a little ego stroking sometimes, mm. but I've had nothing but, um, I'll be honest, I've had nothing but really positive interactions with all of the creative teams okay. that have worked on the books, uh, mm. since I've taken over this role. Um, they've all been amazing. Uh, obviously in the last few weeks to months or so, it's gotten a little tough for some of them because we, we do have people here spread out all over the country that are working on books right now. We have people that are spread out all over the world. We have an, you know, an anchor in Portugal. We have Francisco Martina, who is obviously, uh, one of the more famous, uh, current right. comic book, uh, cover artists yeah. that does a cover for Spawn every month. You know, he's in Italy, so it's tough there for him. So it's kind of having to work with the, the, the bizarreness. And now we're dealing with the fact that Diamond is temporarily shut down and mm-hmm. there's, there's no printers available. So right now there's not a whole lot. There's no comics being printed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we're, we're, we're hearing that there might be some solutions. Yeah. I've heard but, that. Uh, yeah. You know, Marvel, Marvel, I don't, uh, Marvel, I, I guess is doing their own thing. DC announced that they're doing their digital mm-hmm. release thing, but now they're also going to be put, distributing books through like Midtown comics. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So we're kind of just waiting to see where it all falls. Um, with Todd, I know, man, he, he is, he's old school. And that's, yeah. that's what I, I really love working about him. You know, he learned at the, at the feet of Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, he's still, when, when people, and Albert's known, cause, and I know Albert knows this because I have literally written scripts for Albert. So Albert knows that when he gets a script for a 22 page book from me, it's probably four or five pages long and I will describe every single panel. I will describe <laughs> where everybody's elbows are and what shoulder the shot's coming over. And that's, that's my method. Yeah. Todd is still that old school Marvel method of comics where he just gives a real loose interpretation of pages and scenes and lets the artist run wild. Yeah. And then he'll go back and then he'll script over that. So he's, uh, yeah. he's, he's an artist's writer because he's yeah. an artist first and foremost. So he wants to give all of those artists that freedom to explore the page and do what they want. Um, so he's, he's old school in that way. And, and one of the things that I know he wants is, you know, digital copies, digital comics, 
and just getting the lot coming out, but he still he still wants those floppies out. He still wants yeah. oh, sure, yeah. mm-hmm. So I don't I don't really foresee us going the digital route as the only solution. I think we're really gonna be looking to wait for how can we get printed copies to retailers? Yeah. To, and obviously they might not be able to have customers coming in. Can they sell them online? Can they sell them at curbside? Can they do deliveries? But getting physical copies, I think, is still going to be our goal. Mm-hmm. So so I recently saw and heard a little bit about uh, what that statement that Todd uh, put out that we want people to still obviously purchase the books. But... And and maybe this is something that I just kind of got out of it on my own. Um, but we don't want people to get bored because they're not getting these books in their hands. We need to get something mm-hmm. out to them. So so, uh, how do you feel about getting maybe just a little bit of digital into people's hands, just a little bit, just to give them a little taste? Oh, I'm first and foremost, I, I am certainly not against digital by any means. Um, I think one of the things we might see and one of the things that was discussed is um, can we just put out some of those issues for free? I mean, we're not going to turn, mm-hmm. we're not looking to turn this into a digital marketplace. Um, now be, be aware McFarland productions, who is Todd and who is my, the company that I work for is a different company than image. Obviously Todd is the president of image and one of the founding members and spawn mm-hmm. is an image comic, but it's still put out through his own studio, just like a lot of Mark Silvestri stuff still put out by top cow. Yeah. Book, uh-huh. but it's got that top cow logo on it. Yeah. Um, so th- there are these little kind of like sub production houses within there. So, um, a lot of this discussion might be what we discuss in house, but it still has to be run through image. And I know one of his thoughts, and I believe you're probably referencing the Forbes article that he did was they, they might just put out those issues for free. Yeah. Let's put, we've got 307 in the can right now. Let's put out issue 307 and maybe even 308 and 309. And then when the stores finally open up and printers are open up and diamonds open up and everything go, maybe we do a small run of physical copies for those hardcore collectors. But you know what? You can't lament the fact that we had that three issue gap. We hit them hard and then 310 comes out and business as usual. Cause yeah. anybody that's picked up those three free issues, they're probably still going to pick up 310 when it comes out. Oh, yeah. And then you can still you can still do some smaller print runs yeah. for those three gap issues. Yeah, and I'd still, I'd still want to go back yeah. and get those books that were out digital because that was one of the things when I was reading that uh, that article and listening to it from other friends discussing it. Uh, uh, even I was like, oh, oh, if there's going to be a gap, I, I, I still want to go back and collect those books. And how can I get my hands on them? If it's going to be a lower print run, then that's going to be a super hot commodity. And I'm, I'm going to want to get my hands on it somehow. And I'll definitely go back and get it if I can get it. Exactly. And here's where, where which is hopefully, and I've worked in comic retail for many, many years. Here's something where hopefully it gets you to your local comic shop where you can go to your your local comic monger, you're like, I need to place an order for it. I'm not going to yeah. wait for you to put yeah. it on the stand on Wednesday where maybe you have a copy or maybe you don't. Place my order. Guarantee me that that copy and that's yeah. hopefully going to help their business as well. And Jeez. you know, the one thing that I do know about the print stuff and going back is, you know, Todd is, is and this is not ego, this is this is a little bit of pride. You know, he, he hit that 300 issue. That's a big goal. That was yeah. world record breaking, but that's a huge deal to have that a the creator owned book that long uninterrupted and still have that, that those top 20 sales. 
why why would he why would he mess that record breaking book up by putting those skip issues not yeah. coming out in print? You know what I'm saying? He's gonna yeah. want to still have it's, those. It's in really the funny. You should, it's really funny you should mention that because uh, we had we did a segment uh, a couple of weeks back where it was just Joey and I, and I had made a comment because uh, Ross Ritchie had put out uh, for Boom had put out a statement and kind of uh, inquiring or, or not inquiring or just was just talking about the industry and distributors and comic shops. And I had mentioned pretty much the exact same thing you had just said word for word. I was like, what about this? What about putting them out digitally? And then when the shops open up, you put out a small run, maybe put a variant cover on there. And we touched on it on the, on the show between my, mm-hmm. myself and Joey talking about business. And so to hear you say that, it's like, yeah, that's, that's spot on. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's yeah. an answer for a question. Um, so getting away from Todd, because you have your own thing that you've done in the past. You, you, and you're a creator in your, in your own right. Um, you touched on it a little bit with the writing, um, that you've written some scripts for my, for me. Uh, but you've done some, you've done some other books. You've done some, uh, uh, Kaiju books in the past. Was it, was it? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we did a, a locals, which, you know, it ended up, I'm, I'm not certainly not taking credit for anything, but it, it ended up kind of, I think, spawning a small, pardon the pun, with spawning. Um, but it, it started <laughs> a small little group of, of other local creators that started doing these like hyper local anthology books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I will give them the credit of being better than the ones um, that, that I did, at least as far as my, my opinion is concerned. And, uh, Sean Denumbrum did the, the Nine Inch Nails book and the, uh, yeah. the, the Smiths book and stuff like that, the Morrissey stuff. Um, and I wish I got to be a part of as well, which is really good. But yeah, um, myself and Jeff Pena, uh, who again, another amazing local mm-hmm. artist. Yeah. Um, we, we did, uh, we called it the Heart Series and it came out over three years and it was three, kind of oversized comics and we hit up all these local creators and basically the only format for that book was you got to tell a four page story and uh, each one was a different uh, kind of a genre, uh, but they were all hearts. So it was pirate heart ninja, tell a story about a pirate hearting a ninja. It did not matter if heart meant love to you. It did not matter if it meant that the ninja ripped out the pirate's heart. We had no restrictions other than it really just could not be pornography. <laughs> so, uh, and we did, uh, alien heart Bigfoot and uh, robot heart Kaiju. And I know that, and this is, gosh, this is probably nine or 10 years ago, but I know that there's still a bunch of local creators that we, we gave them access to the files for free. They can, once the book was past its initial print runs, um, we gave them all of the files so they could print to their heart's content. And there you go. If you go to cons and you need an extra, Stuff to sell on your table because you know you Albert you know man having the most merch on your table is the only way you're going to make money. Yep. Um, yep. This, this was this is a great filler. Here's three more comics that I did with a bunch of really awesome creators. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So we yeah, so we did that and uh, I've written recently. I've I've written a couple of. Uh, I, I got back into Dungeons and Dragons and I started the Phoenix Dungeons and Dragons Society. And uh, I, I, yeah. So I started writing, I've been writing a bunch of the adventures and stuff that have been published in various, various places and, and things like that, uh, for use, you know, just kind of for fun. Nice. But, uh, you're working on a few things now. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I will say this, uh, the one shout out I'm going to give, I'm currently looking for somebody that can uh, translate, uh, some Russian for me effectively. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I've tried using Google Translate, but I don't know that it's coming out grammatically correct. If any of your listeners uh, can read and speak Russian fairly fluently, uh, hit me up. <laughs> Thank right. if, if, I, if I come across one of my guys, I'll let you know. I, I've, I've been talking to, every week I'm talking to somebody in, you know, Brazil, or I'm talking to somebody over in, in, uh, in Asia, you know, China, uh, you know, and I'm talking to somebody over here and over there. So it's like, oh my goodness, this is really cool. It's kind of one of the benefits, like, uh, from working from home and I'm always at my desk, but, uh, uh, just being in, in this whole thing with everything that's going on hasn't really affected me as much as it's affected some other people, but, um, God bless them. But it's, it's just, uh, it's just, I, I've had the opportunity to talk more with more creators over the, over the phone or just, uh, online in these last weeks and months. Um, that it's been a lot, a lot of fun. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's your writing process like? Because you, again, you've written stories for me, you've written stories for other people. What is Do you focus on the artists and what they like to draw? Do you, how do you, how do you go about it? I mean, you pretty much know a lot of us. Um, you know, for, I, I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of Warren Ellis. Uh, he's probably my favorite comics writer of all time. I, I, I love his novels. And now he's got an award-winning TV show, uh, the Castlevania animated series. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all written by him. And I, I'll be the first to admit, I am not an anime guy. And I guess, <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess it can't really be classified as an anime if it's written by a grumpy old British man. <laughs> but it obviously, it looks like anime to me. Uh-huh. And I didn't, even though it was him, I didn't give it a go right away until I just had several friends like, dude, you're going to love it. And uh, it is incredibly well done. Um, yeah. And I am a fan of that. But I, I kind of, over the years, have, have had the opportunity to have some, some conversations with some of the writers that I really, whether they be novelists or comic book writers, uh, Ian Rankin, who's a Scottish uh, crime novelist, writes mystery novels. Uh, so his main character is uh, Inspector Rebus, but absolutely amazing, amazing stuff. All takes place in and around Edinburgh, Scotland. But they're just basically, he's a detective and he, uh, oh, there's a murder. And it's like a law and order type thing. And it's just him solving the murder. But I've been able to chat with him and Matt Fraction and, and Kelly Sue DeConnick a little bit. Um, but I, 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 most of the stuff I start out with is I always have a notebook and I always have a pen with me. And my physical process is stuff will just become, it starts out very, very piecemeal. It's a sentence. It's a bit of dialogue. It's just a name or an idea. And I, I will literally pull over to the side of the road and pull out a notebook and a pen or my wife will, you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I will have my phone on mm-hmm. to light up the notebook. And I'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just had an idea for something. I have to write it down. I'm going to forget it. <laughs> and, I just have, and I just have notebooks full of these things. And then once it starts yeah. to coalesce, you know, I, I'll open up a Google document and then there's just an, there's everything. There's just a one page info dump where names and places and Again, bits and fragments of a conversation that might have use later, and it'll mm. slowly, slowly build. Um, when I actually get to the point of having this idea solidified enough where I can write a script, and this is for every script I've ever written for Albert, I do, again, I do the same thing. And what that is, is I'll open up an Excel document, mm. and depending on how long the thing would say to comics, it's 20 pages roughly normally, I make, I'll make an Excel document with 20 rows, and then it'll start that every row is one page and I'll just tell, I'll just write the basic gist mm. of what's on that page. Fight scene. 
you know, infiltration into the prison camp, whatever. <laughs> and that way you can, it helps me look real, real nice and neatly. Is the book balanced? Does it end on the right point? Mm. Do you want to have a wrap up page? Is there too much action at the beginning? And then you can look and there's, is there's nothing but dialogue for the last 10 pages. And for some books, you know, if you're Ed Brubaker and you're writing a, a crime novel or a crime comic, that's totally fine because his dialogue is amazing. If you're writing something that's more like spandex Avengers based, mm. maybe a bunch of talking heads for 10 pages isn't mm. going to hold the interest of the reader. <laughs> um, so that, that, that Excel document lets me know whether or not my, my story for that issue is balanced. And then from there, I just start building, I'll just start building the script. Mm. Yeah. And I am, I'm very specific, much to, to, I know some of the artists that I've had the opportunities of working with have been like, really? And I'll still go, no, 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 you guys, you feel free to change anything. This is just <laughs> what I did. This is just what I'm envisioning. I think it works this way. Mm-hmm. I need to have this dialogue be able to fit. So you can't have too many tiny panels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've never told an artist, no, you can't do that. And I know I've worked with Alan for that. I've worked with Andy Carey on, on a bunch of stuff. And he's always been like, what if I do this? Yeah, man, that's perfect. It's better than what I could think of. Absolutely, go for it. Um, but that's just how I am. I'm very kind of regimented in that. So do you feel like when you when, when you have that close-knit kind of relationship with an artist or, or you guys have that kind of back and forth? Because we've talked about this in the past with different uh, uh, creators and stuff. When you have that kind of relationship, it, it, things kind of go a little bit better. Do you feel, kind of feel that same way, too, with, with kind of your relationships with uh, with artists and things, things of that nature? Yeah, I've always found that the projects that I've worked on have been more successful. Now, successful doesn't even mean that it's necessarily ever been a sales hit or even gotten to sale. I mean, there's been plenty of books. Albert, Albert knows there's tons there's, of ideas that you start yeah. on, you work on. You might even completely finish it, but you never do anything with it just because, hey, another idea came on or you just were not happy with the final product or mm-hmm. whatever. But success to me means I can look at it and I go, if, if, if and when this ever gets into somebody else's hands, I'm going to be proud of them to look at it. Um, and I've, I have certainly found that the projects that I've worked on with, with create other creators that I know and trust have been a little bit better Mm. um, and have, have been a little bit more successful in my mind um, than ones that I've kind of just put the call out to the internet and some rando in Tucson is like, yeah, I'll draw that for you. And then you kind of get to go back and forth. of like, this is just, we don't know each other. We're not, we're not jiving. You know, Mm -hmm. Albert and I worked on a wrestling book for a long time Mm -hmm. and I knew like I would give him my script and he'd come out and be like, well, this is how I'm seeing this character doing it. And I knew that in, in my head, dude, this, this was Albert's character from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I'm just the guy that was helping him flesh this out. So if Albert said, it'd be cooler if I drew it this way, or it'd be cooler if his costume looked this at this time, I knew that was the better decision mm-hmm. than what I put on the page. So because I knew Albert, and I knew that this was, this was something that he was incredibly passionate about, man, I knew that that was the right choice to make. Um, you know, there are, there are plenty of creative teams that, that don't know each other. They, they make successful books as well, you know, but mm-hmm. for me, knowing, knowing and trusting that person is certainly going to be beneficial. You know, Joey, one of the shows that, uh, I've, that we both actually have gone to myself and, and Thomas, and probably one of the best shows that I hold close to my heart, uh, was the Long Beach Comic Con, the first year that it was actually ha- happened. Um, me and Thomas are old school uh, atomic comic guys, uh-huh. and um, 
when we went over there, it was the whole gang. This was when the Phoenix creatives, I think, were at their peak with socializing with each other and just totally being like one big community. Because we just took a, a gang full of artists that went to this show. We all shared a hotel. It's me, Jeff Pena, and Thomas um, that shared a hotel room. Uh, we all ate together. You know, uh, Mike Malvey was there, and you know, heading up the heading up the storm, and and Jim Lee, and uh, I believe it was Campbell that was there, right? Was that yes. Jim Lee and Campbell? Yeah, yep. Campbell was there, and yes. Thomas Jane was there. Yeah, Thomas <laughs> Jane. Yeah, yeah, and, and nice. he's always entertaining. <laughs> He was drunk the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> they were running the fog. What, no, not the fog. Was it, what was that horror movie did? The Mist? Oh, The Mist. Uh, I think yeah, it was like the, a Stephen King. Yeah, was it the like Mist. a Stephen yeah. King short story? Yeah. And they're all like locked in a community. So they were running a special black and white print oh, screening of that where nice. he was going to talk about it. But he kept, if you remember the time, he kept jumping on the mic and oh. doing like the loudspeaker <laughs> announcement. Yeah, could, yeah, yeah, man. He was just having a blast, and he was yep. ripped the whole time. He just cursing and stuff, and you can hear him going, uh, "Mr. Jane, you can't say that." And he'd be like, "Ah, it's fucking okay, man. They know what they're getting into." That's funny. Jeez, I don't know if I can do this on your show. Yeah, you're good. Uh, oh, you're but good. yeah, that was yeah, that was an incredible time. And then, of course, we did find, and this is a, this is a story from another show, but I will I will drop it here. Do you remember? We found the secret bar inside the law office. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, you, you, that, could, you could talk to Joey after the show and let him know yeah. about that night. That was yeah. that was incredible. <laughs> that's yeah. funny. That, that, that was really yeah. good because that was great. Really good because it, it really speaks to to the indie process. Because we went in there with like an ash can of uh, Super Impacto at the time was called uh -huh. uh, uh, El Monstro. And um, what happened is like uh, Thomas had his the logo for his shirt uh, for the for the company shirt, uh, and we we spray painted that on there, right with the. Uh, Oh God, you're gonna talk about this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because we, here's the we, thing: this is the this house is make of it, indie. So you this know, is gonna got, make us sound so creepy, though, dude. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. we won't get that so, involved on it. We, <laughs> we, we get that involved on it. <laughs> okay, so we, uh, yeah, I, we bought a bunch of uh, like Hanes wife beaters, <laughs> yes. and we the logo for the the thing was kind of like this weird. Uh, it was like a like a Hispanic like El Corazon like it was like a heart okay. with James coming out of the top of it yeah. and stuff like that. And I just made a stencil out of like cardboard in a, out of a pizza box, <laughs> and I had spray uh, pink spray paint. We just spray painted the oh, heart man. on all of these t-shirts, <laughs> but they were all just like these really like flimsy white beaters. Yeah. So we had a lot, and we, we were right behind because that, if you remember, that con also had yeah. uh, Lucha Libre wrestling. It right, did. just coincidentally right behind our booth. Oh. Yes, they would do these shows like every half an hour. They That's awesome. Match. So I think a lot of people thought, and not that we were lying about <laughs> it. We, a lot of people, I think, thought that the comic was in related to one of the wrestlers oh. because our comic was also about a Lucha Libre guy. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a ton of dudes that were super into like, oh, it's a Lucha Libre wrestler mm -hmm. who's fighting monsters it's like hellboy-esque yeah. but he's got a cool mask does he have powers doesn't he have powers you don't know yet it was a really cool concept and the lucha libre is there so we had a lot of dudes with their girlfriends and they were we were selling tons of these ash cans and they're like <laughs> with, with the t-shirts and it was just like oh it was just to promote us so if you let us if, if you buy a t-shirt it's ten dollars 
but if you let your girl wear it and, and bring her back and let us take a photo of her wearing the t-shirt, we'll give you $5 back. <laughs> yep. So then you get a t-shirt and the ad can for just five bucks. That's, yep. That's so, funny. So we, so we just had a ton of, and they were we all, sold out. I think we did, but I think they, like, think about it this way, Joey. All the shirts were like only small and extra small. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Hanes, Hanes at like <laughs> white feeders. So and they they're were, super yeah. thin. <laughs> all these guys like baby 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 I, I want the shirt and then albert was wrestling off uh a luchador mask yeah. so oh, they wanted man. to get the shirt because that got them an extra entry into the raffle uh, and so we just had all these girls like looking at it, like really and they'd be like yeah baby do it do it do it and so some we of the girls were really having, into like, it though some of them were some of them were oh man I, I still remember it very well that, you know, the three guys, the kid that won the mask came back. He was really excited. The girls that were wearing the shirts, there was, there was some really good looking girls. And I mean, everybody was having a lot of fun. Oh man. But, <laughs> you know, we sold out of every single ash can that we took. We sold out of every single shirt that we took. We literally were sold out by the second day. So man. guys that weren't making any money that were sitting next to Jim Lee and, and Campbell uh-huh. that thought they were going to make money ended up moving to our table because oh. you know, so they did <laughs> nothing left scratch. Sell. Yeah, That's we funny. had nothing yeah. to sell. So, and, and the reason I bring that up is that, one because it's a, it's a very endearing uh, uh, memory that I have. But Mike Mayhew did an interview uh, like last week, and he said, "In this time that we're in right now, the people that are going to survive, uh, the people that are going to make it." Are the hustlers, the, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. the guys that know how to push their indie stuff. Yeah. The, uh, the guys that know how to do more with less. Um, thinking outside the and, box. Right. They're going to be the survivors. They're, they're the survivors. They know how to make it through this, this economy and what we're doing right now, what, what we're going through right now. So that whole mindset was what I was kind of linking the two together with it because it's that kind of mindset with these independent creators nowadays that's really going to bring fresh material to people that can't go in their comic book stores mm-hmm. uh, or, and the same thing that you're speaking to with Spawn, you know, it's, it's trying to bring new fresh ideas and content at, to, to the readers and to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I do, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that right now is the best time because I'm taking advantage of this time to either come up with new material or to come up with, uh, or to finish uh, commissions or jobs that have never uh, stories that have never seen the light, you know, mm-hmm. um, Thomas actually has, I've got, I've got my thumb on the door. Uh, <laughs> I I've got, I understand that Thomas has a book right now that the cover is being worked on and that the book is completed. I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen with it. Can you give us any insight to uh, something called bad mother truckers and what's it all about? Oh, we're going there. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. This is, again, this is, this is a project that's just kind of like, uh, a, a, a long time in development. It's gone through literally three different artists. And we finally, I should have gone to my, my artist the first time, Andy Carrion, who's just an incredible talent, uh, locally. Um, but at the time he was living in Dubai. So uh, it, it was, it was tough. Uh, it was tough getting him to work on it, but he's back now and, uh, he has finished issue one. Um, it's been a little hectic, but yeah, it's, uh, the goal is, you know, we're going to, we're going to pitch that book. We don't want to necessarily self-publish that. I think we want to go, go, go all in with that. Um, mm-hmm. 
probably good work for getting three issues in the can and do like an official pitch to image on something like that. Very um, cool. not going to go into the plot because it's, we're still a bit of ways and I don't want to leak out all, all of the awesome yeah. stuff in there, yeah. but definitely uh, fair enough. Yeah. But my, 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 my pitch line to a lot of people about this that I've talked about it, it's, it's kind of like, um, almost like supernatural meets Smokey and the bandit. It's okay. super dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's okay. beer and big rig trucks <laughs> and belt buckles and cowboy boots. There you go. And, uh, and that, that's yeah. funny because I've actually been watching Smokey and the Bandit for like the last two days. Uh, part, part one and two. Part two put me to sleep, but part one, you know, that's a classic. Uh, part one's classic. Part one yeah. is a classic. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, so, so yeah, we'll work on that, and uh, that will hopefully uh, – once everything gets it, surprisingly, you know, when all, when all this happened, you know, we, we, everyone's working from home now. And I really mm-hmm. was like, oh, you're working from home. You're going to have a lot more free time. And I'm sure some people do, but boy, I, I feel like I'm working longer hours being at home yep. because everyone, <laughs> well, because it's like everybody kind of, everybody in the office and then some of the creators that they've already worked, you know, obviously if you're an art, full-time artist, you're already working from your, like your darkened office. Uh, in the back of your house for the most part. But everyone's kind of like, at 5 o'clock, it used to be like, hey, you'd, you'd, your emails would tail off, your phone calls would, would tail off. But now it's like everyone in the office is just working such weird hours, like 7.30, I get a call from Todd, what are you doing right now? I'm like, I'm watching, watching TV. He's like, oh, can you work on a contract for me? I'm like, yeah, I can totally do that for you, Todd. So it's like some of my days are are longer now that I'm not in the office, even though... I, I'm trying to be very regimented during this whole quarantine. I, I mm-hmm. still, I get up early. I, take, I don't wear sweatpants. I take a shower. Yeah. I put on, yeah. I, I've even put on shoes, even though I'm just going to go sit at my desk. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't want to get into the point of like, wow, I haven't bathed in Can't four days. So you're not, yeah, so you're you not doing the, you're not doing the weenie the poo thing. You're just wearing your, your nice shirt on top and no pants on bottom. Yeah. My wife was laughing <laughs> the other day. I, I literally put a tie on. I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I, had no, I had no reason to. I was just, I was bored. And I, I had no time that day. <laughs> but I, I, it just, I just need, I need to still be up and, and, and doing stuff. So, um, Very cool. but yeah, so hopefully once all that is, is squared away and we, we get back to kind of like regular scheduled programming, uh, we'll be able to, to move forward a little bit with that yeah. truckers. Yeah, I think I think it, for our own like sanity, we kind of need to need some kind of normalcy, right? So getting up early, putting your pants on, and getting ready for the day, and even putting some shoes on, you know, even though when you don't need to, I think that kind of keeps our our minds sane a little bit and kind of keeps us in that routine. I think that's good for for just us to I don't know just to stay sane. I think exactly. You know, I the only thing I've got left to add because you've actually traveled so far. Um, you know, and, and your, and your travels, uh, you've gone to New York, you've gone to, uh, London. What well, I'm from New York? Yeah. So there you go. Okay. So, you know, so what's the, uh, uh, what's the London scene like as far as the independent books and are they more focused on the independents and the big two over there? As com- you know, what's the comparison between the U S and, and the British? You know, when I, when I went over there, the, when I was over in London for the first time, I was, I believe I remember correctly. I was still at Atomic. I was yes. because 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 yes. I had a couple of creators that just gave me stacks of of books to just give away at there. And obviously there there's a ton in and around London. There was a ton of amazing amazing comic shops. The big one is Forbidden Planet over there. That's like the Midtown Comics 
of London. And they were very restrictive nice. as far as like, Hey, can I just leave these freebies on your counter? And I think there was stuff from, I think there was, I had stuff from Jeff. I had stuff from Ben Glendening. Uh, I probably had one of Ryan Cody's ash cans for something. Uh, and they were very like, Nope, you got it. You, <laughs> you have to contact our PR person wow. and you have to interview. We have to assess it. They were like, we no, do not leave stuff here. It will be thrown out. Like they were just, they were, you know, they're a huge, they're a huge chain. Their store itself is physically just massive. Wow. Um, but they were like that. But then there was a couple other ones. One of the ones that I remembered the most, it, it was, uh, it was called Mega City One. I think it was in Camden Town, which is like the Greenwich Village area of London, which was like wow. this super punk rock. And this was the, obviously the guy was a huge dread fan. Yeah. And that was super duper indie. And they were, they were like, yeah, dude. Oh, these American guys. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we're going to put them right up at the counter. Like, they were awesome. Nice. They were all into talking about indie stuff. They wanted to know if they had their contact information because if anybody bought one, they were going to order more. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I think the, I think the, uh, the, the indie scene over there is, is really, really good. And I think with the big con over there is, is it the MCM Expo, I think it's called, uh, London Comic Expo, something like that. But I know, like, I, and every once in a while, I get to chat with, like, Kieran Gillen. Um, because mm. I, I met him, I met him at Phoenix Comic Con years and years and years ago, and I, I ended up taking his photograph. Um, and he used it as his artist photo in one of his books for, nice. for one of the graphic novels. Um, so we kind of stayed in touch briefly, but, um, yeah, that's where they got their start. Him and, him, Kieran Gillen and, uh, Jamie McKelvey, you know, they were just, they were no names and they just started writing really cool stuff and the image finally picked them up and was like, and phonogram just kind of launched their careers. Wow. Um, but I think that indie scene over there is pretty, pretty strong. There's a couple of artists that I follow that, um, seem to be doing really, really well over there. And uh, that's definitely something I would like to, as a creator, um, get, get over there for a con at some point. Yeah. Um, once I have a, a, a more modern, I haven't had a lot of stuff come out mm. lately at all. So once I kind of build up a little bit more of a, of a quiver of books to, to promote and sell over there, Get love to head back over there. Mm. Well, on that, big, France is another big one. Paris France. is another another big, huge, huge indie indie wow. comic scene over there. Yes. Well, on the on that note of not having so much material right now, I can say that uh, in this time that we're in right now, you actually do have something coming out that you're not quite aware of, and I will talk more about this on our Facebook page and our Instagram uh, with Twenty One Skulls. Um, Thomas got to do, or was, I, w I don't say got to do, was kind enough to write one of the first stories for a, uh, I don't, I don't want to call it an anthology book because it's, all, it's the same artist, but I'm working with 21 different authors. And he was kind enough to donate uh, one of the stories for this book. Um, so you'll be seeing those pages uh, here in the next couple of weeks, um, crediting Thomas Healy with, uh, with the written story. So it's, it was Sweet. great uh, working with him again. Um, he didn't know I was going to put it out. He didn't even know I was going to announce it tonight. So <laughs> no, uh, I remember, I remember, I remember writing something for you a while back, but uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't know where it would happen, but, but right on. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of literary work uh, in, in the past couple of years. And uh, over in time, I've been collecting different authors, like, like the collector in the, in the, uh, you know, infinity stones. I've been collecting them. Um, and I'm finally at the point where I'm like, okay, I've got 21 authors. I've got 21 stories. 
now I'm going to put this thing out. So, um, event, what you're going to see is you're going to see these stories come out of 21 skulls. And of course, the whole reason behind the 21 skulls is there's 21 different authors and you'll learn more about the skulls as they go on. But thank you, Thomas. I really appreciate you working on that, on that story for me. Um, been a long time coming but this is the season to get this kind of stuff out yeah because people are hungry and thirsty for this kind of work right now i i so. agreed i agreed i've i've purchased more indie stuff and i've done some commissions more than i have in years just simply because there's um, there's amazing mm-hmm. artists and amazing creators and writers that are just that are hungry right now yeah and if if you can help them great but you're gonna you're gonna see some amazing amazing work come out of this yeah yep yeah so on that note, guys, we've got the jaunty Joey Galvez, we've got the <laughs> Titan Thomas Healy, and I am the ageless Albert Morales, and you've joined us tonight on The House of Indy. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks again for hanging out with us here on The House of Indy. I'm Joey Galvez and Albert Morales. Albert Morales.